silly is that? What are we talking about? Let's go do basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Hoop Dreams. My name is Matthew Tilby and I'm here to present the basketball podcast here on the 8-Bit Collective. I'm also joined by Jono Peck. How are you doing, Jono? Pretty good, pretty good. Yes, uh, Brendan White is away doing life things. Um, we will not judge him for that one. Um, no, not at all. And I mean, in, the, in, in, in a pick very... And roll. Yeah, exactly. Today. We're the we're the Nash and Stoudemire of the yeah. uh, the situation at the moment. Um, but uh, yeah, look, definitely not as big a um, week as it has been, you know, the last couple of weeks in the off season. But there is, of course, plenty to talk about. But yeah. before we get to that, uh, we should let you know that we are now on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. So yeah. hit us up on iTunes um, on the podcast page. Hit us a subscribe. Hit us with a review. All that good stuff, in addition to all of our podcasts being available on Spotify and mm. pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. I found quite a few places that we were looking at over the last you know couple of weeks. So, yeah, we're yeah. pretty much available wherever you can get your podcasts. So, uh, yeah, hit us up and uh, definitely um, keep in touch as the season begins. Mm. Um, it's probably it, worth saying off the top, thank you to everyone that checked out the first episode. We had yes. a pretty cool response to our debut and a lot of good feedback from uh, some of my friends and people I know that are kind of up for finding and listening to new NBA podcasts. So thanks to everyone that gave feedback. Thanks to everyone that left iTunes reviews. Those definitely will go a long way to helping us get discovered. We made it into the iTunes new and noteworthy, just scraped in. And we even charted around, I think the highest that I saw it was 75 under the sports yeah, professional. Yeah, we, uh, we, um, we beat James Hurd and JJ Reddick of we all did. people, which is uh, <laughs> not something you, you get to say every day, but uh, I'll no. be taking that to my grave, I think. Absolutely. Um, such a hopefully, monumental achievement. <laughs> hopefully we can get into top 50 this week. Let's see. Leave, yeah. leave a, few, a few more iTunes reviews and we'll see what can happen, listeners. Yeah, we'll see what we can do, but it's all up to you. We'd, uh, we'd love to see us you know, beat some more um, famous athletes in their own podcasts. <laughs> Who do you reckon we could beat next? Uh, let's see. I know we've got uh, your Vince Carter and Kent Bazemore have their podcast on The Ringer, so they're the other... <laughs> NBA oh, I don't I don't know how Brendan would feel if he uh if we ended up beating his his childhood hero mm. in a podcast ranking but yeah. um well, he's always then, got the he's always got the basketball part of it so Yeah yeah. We'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Well uh we might as well just jump right into it. Um did anything interesting happen this week? I can't really tell. Mm, massive trade. Well, it's, it's all it's, this is like the OKC <laughs> uh, the OKC podcast is turning into after the Kawhi and um, Paul George topic last week. But yeah. yeah, I was going to say they they just haven't uh, they haven't let up on the off season bonanza that is uh, mm. free agency and trades. Of course, free agency was the the big to- uh, talking point last week. Um, it is now the trades, um, and we've got a big one. Um, you're all over the trades, um, and from a from a more casual standpoint, it was obviously. You could you could say it was almost a straight swap for Westbrook for Paul, but obviously there are more ancillary, you know, draft picks being put in there, and I yeah. I, I get the feeling, especially um, OKC has they they're swimming in the draft picks. They're doing a the Scrooge McDuck, you know, diving <laughs> into the the pool of coins with all the draft picks they've got. Um, but who wins this trade, in your opinion? 
Uh, I think you have to say Oklahoma in the long term because... <laughs> yeah, well... Like, okay, in the short term, there's always a short-term winner and a long-term winner in every trade just about. And I think that Houston did get the player that's going to produce probably more or have a longer kind of prime left in his career with Westbrook mm. Uh, mm. and Chris Paul clearly reaching the kind of tail end of his career. They both are getting paid an insane amount of money. So that's kind of like I kind of looked at it as I would have expected it to be a one for one. But the amount of picks that OKC got the Rockets to throw in just makes it for me long term a definite win because Chris Paul's contract will end sooner rather than later. And then they've got the remnants of that trade to live with for a long time. And that could be young rookies or it could be assets that they're able to trade those draft picks for to teams that Mm. really want to rebuild now. And I think, like, looking at how much Westbrook's getting paid in, say, three or four years when he's still under contract, that's definitely one of the worst deals in the league. It's in the top three or four, you know, albatross (laughs) contracts. Something something like almost $40 million for Westbrook at that age. And, you know, he's a freak athlete and there's no sign that he'll be less, you know... (laughs) Less any more than any any other NBA player will be with that much time and extra minutes on their body. But we haven't exactly seen Westbrook continue to develop his game in the last couple of years. It seems like he's peaked. And unless yeah. James, playing with James Harden is something that really opens up his game to a new level, then yeah, I'm not sh- quite sure how far they can take this. Pairing. The thing is, like I'd I'd seen. Um, reports, especially around the, the you know the first couple of days when the trade was announced, um, essentially when uh, Paul George was traded to the the Clippers, um, there were reports that both Harden and Westbrook got in contact with each other and and sort of you know thrashed out this deal and um, they then went to their respective managers and the front offices of both teams, obviously. Sam Presti is is he's mm. pretty much just full on hit the rebuild button at this stage, um, but there's obviously a desire for Westbrook to be reunited with his former um, OKC teammate, and whether or not it means they're going to be you know a conducive pair, because um, we've very clearly seen in the last couple of years Westbrook is you know a walking triple double, and mm. and Chris Paul in in the long run is you know more of a a well-rounded offensive uh, sort of starter where Westbrook is more of, yeah. you know, the be-all and end-all of that team. Of course, George was in there as well, but it'll be interesting to see how Westbrook and Harden um, sort of gel as, as a as a cohesive unit because I think, you know, you've, you've seen the memes already, you know, them sort of squabbling over the ball in, in 2K and it, it would be hard to see them, you know, not falling out at some point. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, for whatever you think about Harden and the way that he plays on the court, we know that Westbrook is a hard head and he's someone mm. that doesn't seem to give much in terms of, like, like if, if there's something that he wants or there's a way he wants to play, like there's not much you can do to, to change his mind. And Harden might be the one that has to kind of, I guess, put him under his wing and say, this is my team. This is how we do it here. You've, you know, essentially chosen to play here as a as a trade asset. Like he 
it looks like he's asked to play there. He hasn't signed yeah. a free agency deal, but he's essentially said that that's where he wants to be. So he's going to have to buy into be the you know second superstar of this team, which is a first for Westbrook in the sense that he he did that with KD, but it's kind of when KD left, it was like a new Westbrook, and that's the mm. one that we know. <laughs> that's the kind of domineering personality that he's been, and. Uh, yeah, it's it's interesting because hard. I've I really, as much as I admire his skill, I hate James Harden on the court just because of all <laughs> the the cheap stuff that he does, the kind of flopping and kind of complaining and all that kind of thing. It's just really not what I like in basketball. But and West Westbrook's like the opposite of that. Like he's yeah. as, he's genuine as you can get. Like he's not gonna let anyone make him look weak, you know? <laughs> yeah. Harden, Harden doesn't care about that. He just wants to score and he wants to win. So they, they have, um, it, it's kind of like a Magneto and Professor X kind of combination here. As Throwing far in as, that nerd reference there. Yeah. <laughs> of course, it, we are here on the Apex Collective, so it doesn't yeah. make perfect sense. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just want to want to see how it works together, whether, yeah, whether one but, of them does become the dominant personality or what, whether the other adopts the traits of the other. Maybe Westbrook mm. turns Harden into something we haven't seen for a while. That was what I was about to ask as well. Obviously, Westbrook is, you know, very much still a very capable offensive unit as seen by the amount of triple doubles he was mm. scoring last season. But do you think he might encourage or sort of work Harden into being a more defensive-minded player? Because, you know, the memes have been endless for you know for the last maybe six or seven years <laughs> about how defensive uh james or the lack of defensive effort that james mm. harden puts in do you think he's going to be the one who really you know lights a fire under his ass and, and gets him going um defensively i don't know like dan tony's never been known for his defense i'm yeah. sure you remember that <laughs> i as, mean as, as a, a phoenix suns fan <laughs> yeah. I know that far too well yeah and like when he was with the Knicks, you'd hear stories about how they literally wouldn't practice defense at training. So it's that's concerning. That's really yeah. concerning <laughs> as a head coach. Yeah. So I don't know. I think that we're going to see Westbrook in a system that he hasn't been in before, like a system with Dan Tony that you know maybe it's it's just going to be like fireworks, really. But mm. I think the fact that James Harden has had to carry such an offensive load only has hurt his defensive. Uh, effort so the fact that he won't have to do that so much with Westbrook able to generate his own offense in a way that Chris Paul couldn't even though Chris Paul was kind of the uh, linchpin of of setting up a lot of of their plays yeah I I think that if he wants to it all comes down to what they want to do and what D'Antoni wants them to do but I I think there's room for them to kind of both take on more of a, a defensive focus. It's it's just probably not something that's going to end up end up happening. Well, regardless of what happens, uh, just thinking about it, Westbrook, Harden, and PJ Tucker, hmm. the most fashionable, like big three in the league. Yeah. You'd say definitely. Like the amount of sort of shots Style, of them walking yeah. to them, walking them to uh, you know pregame warm ups and things. It's going to be a sight to behold, I think. Yeah. The cameramen won't know who to show. They'll have to, walk, <laughs> they'll have to walk in at the same time just to make sure that you'll get equal well, coverage. Yeah, I feel like uh, PJ Tucker's probably going to be, of course, PJ Tucker being the uh, the BR Kicks, what, sneaker champion of 2019 or whatever he mm-hmm. was an- announced as at the uh, NBA Awards. But um, he's going to have to try really hard now that uh, Westbrook's in because Westbrook is a very... Very fashionable man. Um, 
even in some of the the Jordan shoes that he'd been rocking, like the casual ones, um, he's you know he's got a bit of bit of flair about him. So mm. definitely a very well dressed team, but if uh, we'll have to see if they're very well coordinated on the court, I should say. Yeah. I mean, we've got some listener questions, thanks to Ooh, yes. these uh, these loyal listeners after one episode already writing in. <laughs> and if, if, if you want to do the same, uh, we will be reading these when they're relevant. Uh, you can send them to hello at 8bit.net or just tweet at we are 8bit or any of us, really. We will be uh, engaging with you guys as much as we can. But Can't wait for this. As First of all, this is a friend of the show, Michael Geisen, who wants to know, am I crazy? to think it's possible for Harden and Westbrook to both average trip dubs next season. This this is the one thing that I was also about to ask you was mm. obviously I, I pretty much have called Westbrook the walking triple-double um, and the amount of games that Harden had scored 50 points in was just purely ludicrous last season. Um, I don't think... Uh, Harden's going to be the one getting the triple doubles. I think yeah. he's he'll he'll stay as a more um, offensive uh, weapon, so to speak. But I mm. think Westbrook's going to be the guy who is most likely to continue getting those rebounds, those assists. Obviously, yeah. being, a point, being a point guard helps, of course. But um, yeah. I think it matters a lot more to Westbrook as oh, well. Yeah, of course, <laughs> of course, it does. You know, it, it it'll show up better for him being a point guard. You know, you you, you want to get the assists and. It's probably not so much of a um, an issue for Harden to get that sort of um, that sort of stat line filled up. He's obviously more worried about a point scoring title or you know obviously the MVP, um, yeah. which you could argue um, he may have he should have won last season. Um, and even then, you know when Westbrook won the MVP over Harden the season before, you could even once again argue that. So. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the question here from, from Daniel, sort of saying Rocket fans were probably the most outraged or against his MVP candidacy. Um, and, and how soon do you think Rockets fans might turn on him? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's... To, to I'll take both questions on, first of all. So as far as the output for Harden and Westbrook statistically, it's hard to imagine them both averaging triple doubles. And mm. I think that Harden will be the one that takes the biggest hit to his stats. And that's probably going to rule out any chance for either of them to win MVP. Similar to the kind of Curry and, and KD playing together. They kind of both steal votes off each other, so to speak. Yeah. So that's probably going to put an end to that race. It's going to be more, I think, a Giannis and Kawhi. Although Kawhi is now playing with Paul George. So yeah, I think Giannis might be finding himself on a bit of a streak if he can stay healthy and continue to improve. But I think uh, as far as fans turning on Westbrook, I wouldn't put it past them. Uh, you've seen um, like people even in LA, like you, you think about the rivalry that LeBron and Kobe kind of had despite never meeting in the playoffs and how quick so many Lakers fans were to kind of turn their nose up at what LeBron was not doing last season mm. and uh, kind of... Still, still, kind of holding on to their Kobe fanboyism, and all these all these people that have for years kind of setting themselves up into a Harden versus Westbrook rivalry. Even though those two players are obviously good friends and big yeah. uh, big fans of each other, like the the fans of of Harden are probably you know you you want to think that they'll embrace Westbrook, but if things don't work in Houston, if there is that kind of you know, extra time to adjust and 
the back and forth and awkwardness that we can see if you think about like Dwayne Wade and LeBron playing together for the first time. Yeah. That kind of, you take a shot, now it's my turn. Uh, you took the last shot, so this is my turn to, you know, have the game winner. Like any kind of, you know, lack any lack of gelling on that end. And I think people will, <laughs> there's always some idiot out on the internet that's going to say something stupid. But the questions of like, what can we get for Westbrook will probably pop up within six months easily yeah, I, think. Look, I, I think if around the all-star break if if they're not really performing and they're you know falling down the playoff pecking order or maybe even not even in the playoffs i think that's when you, you might see some some rumblings and some some rumors here and here and there and it's it's just a bizarre world where you think a team with those two quality players may not be able to to perform and you know it, it's happened to to bigger and better teams obviously you know even mm. the lakers last season with um lebron and his you know his all all-star cast of uh of, of young talent it just didn't happen things you know one way or another just fell apart and it it all you know spelled disaster for guys like lonzo and and for kyle kuzma who's probably you know he was a bit probably worried about his position when AD comes in. He's probably been reassured of it now, now that uh, Frank Vogel's come in and LeBron's probably had multiple um, talks with him. But, you know, it's the same sort of thing. Um, it's it's going to be an interesting story. And I think the other thing as well is you know, the other guys in the team, guys like PJ Tucker and even uh, Clint Capella. Um, yeah. Do you think that they're going to be suffering from that sort of offensive, I wouldn't say bias. Um, I'd probably say uh, fa- favoring doesn't even say it and, you know, explain it much better anyway. But um, <laughs> do you think that... I know what you mean. Yeah. For being such a, an offense-heavy um, backcourt, the guys in the front court yeah. have to obviously work so much harder in that sense. Yeah, I think for someone like PJ Tucker, he's not someone that is going to demand shots. Like, he's not that kind of player. He's a role player. He's a, a big part of what makes that team successful last year. And I think he'll happily take his open, you know, corner threes or whatever it might be, whatever is created by having so much movement from the point guards and, and the backcourt. Um, but someone like Capella, I think, will be interesting because, I mean, Westbrook's played with bigs before he, he knows how to kind of feed them and mm. get get their shot shots when they need them so i think that he, he won't have any issue with that it, it might be interesting to see whether capella allows him to take the the rebounds that he yeah. needs to get his triple <laughs> doubles every game like i know stephen adams is probably a bit more laid back it's like oh yeah if you, you want to average a triple double go for it like that's what we need to do to to keep him happy <laughs> but uh, i don't know if, if clint, clint capella who's still kind of at that point of his career where he's trying to i can't remember if he's just signed a contract or if he's got a couple years left but he's you know he's looking to get paid and that means getting your stats as a big guy so he's going to be trying to grab those rebounds yeah for sure i think uh it's going to be an interesting sort of you know first maybe three or four months with that team just sort of fleshing out how they play tactically obviously as you said d'antoni is is big on his offense and um, especially a team like the Rockets who are always there or thereabouts in the three-point category. Um, mm. A guy like Westbrook, oh, man. who can who can pop them up and, and, and really shoot them. Um, they're either going to score like 150 points a game um, and then might even concede that many points a game. We'll see what happens. But This is, uh, this is the thing, though, is he's sneakily 
a terrible three-point shooter and free-throw shooter. (laughs) So I was just about to say, like, (laughs) another question from Daniel was, what is the most inevitable Rockets hashtag that'll come up this season? And he says, like, for example, like, rest brook or bench brook. I was actually going to suggest brick brook or west brick. Um, That's always been uh, a a popular one. Um, You got any? I don't have anything to add. I think Dan's... Uh, come up with some pretty good ones. He nailed yeah. it here. I, I yeah. enjoyed those ones. Yeah. Um, and of course, another question from Gavin Skeels, who uh, we should thank as well mm. um, for being the artist. the artist behind our very, very sexy um, show logo. Um, and he's given us a hot take. Rather than a question, it's a hot take. Westbrook and Harden in the same backcourt won't work. Your mm. thoughts? My thoughts are complicated because they have played a lot together which is an advantage that they have over you know some pairings like ad and lebron or Mm. even paul george and Kawhi. so we know that they not only played together they went to the finals together in okc and it certainly worked back then only that was kind of a different harden and a different westbrook too as i already mentioned kind of kd departing oklahoma changed the way that Westbrook played yeah. and kind of gave him a bit more freedom that he uh, is now accustomed to. So playing with Harden and Harden also going to Houston, giving him that extra freedom to kind of run the offense. It's going to be interesting seeing how they play in this new system as, you know, both being 1A's, 1A options after playing together previously being that second and third option very clearly. So that's the big difference. So... I guess what I'm trying to say is it can work. Will it work? I think it's going to take one of them or both of them some major adjustments. They might have to swallow their pride. And just like you know, uh, LeBron and, and Wade figured out eventually, one of them had to concede. Wade had to concede that it wasn't his team anymore. It's LeBron's team. Hmm. You're, you're the man. And it works better when you have a pecking order like that, uh, I think. So, yeah, I can't see Westbrook swallowing his pride. Yeah. You know, it's it's just, yeah, it, I just can't see it happening. Yeah. So I, I think if um, I mean, if is D'Antoni's job safe if they do have a tough since start when? In, of the since season? when in Houston has D'Antoni's job ever been safe? Yeah. Like I I, mean, I, like I seem to hear the same thing pretty much every season about you know three or four months in. Mm. Oh, he's there's rumblings that he might lose his job if they don't make you know the finals, which I guess you know. Even in that sort of time frame, he probably did have, um, you know, ambitions to make the finals, and it's not an unrealistic mm. goal for the Rockets in that, um, yeah, in that sort of scheme. But yeah, it's going to be difficult. Like I think Westbrook and Harden, like you said, um, they both played together at OKC, and we're obviously probably the the second and third choice behind Durant. But even then, they were dramatically different players they've evolved so much as players um in that sort of time frame um and whether or not they can sort of go back either to go back to their old ways or find a way to work um effectively as a as a duo um and and you know even in the same team is going to be quite interesting but Mm. i mean have they ever like surely they've been on the same like u.s team as well yeah they were both at the 24 uh, 12, 2012 Olympics mm. with with KD as well. Because yeah. I remember like there was four Olympians on the same roster because uh, you had Ibaka representing France 
there yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. Like they they've obviously had time to do that um, and time to sort of gel and, and they, they know each other quite well from those sorts of experiences. So I think they they will try their best. Um, but I mm. like you you said, I, I think it's only a matter of time before the cracks start to show. Um, it's a big gamble from the Rockets to to really yeah. go all out like that. Um, and I you know, I applaud them for it. But mm. on the OKC side, they've got all of these picks. Obviously, some, you know, probably a f- fair bit down the line, like some are seven years away. Mm-hmm. Surely they're, they're just going to sort of lock some of those away and make sure that they don't use them for now. But do you, do you find that, or do you think that there's going to be a couple in the next sort of two or three years where they may um, use them as sort of bait for other players and use that as part of the rebuilding process? Or do you think they're just going to use those draft picks naturally um, and allow players to come up? I think it would make sense to trade some of them because I, you know, I probably need to look a lot more closely at what years each of the picks are, but mm. it really doesn't do you much good to draft, you know, four rookies a year. Like yeah. there's, there's <laughs> literally not enough room on the roster to do that. Yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, they will have to trade some of those and it helps you as well. If you have some young players that, you know, keep the, keep the best picks and, and draft some lottery picks, hopefully, and put some veterans around those players to kind of teach them and to raise them up in the ways of the NBA athlete, because it's a big adjustment to come from college into the NBA yeah. And you need people who've been there. You need people, uh, you know, like Tash Gibson being brought into the Knicks. I think that's purely as a locker room presence. And I think oh, yeah, that you, absolutely. You, need, you need to make some of those moves in Oklahoma along the way. So, yeah, I, I think that that will happen with some of those trade picks. And it, it also seems like they will essentially be uh, building a team not similar to what Philadelphia did, but hopefully making picks that, you know, make sense along the way instead of just drafting like six big men and hoping that one of them pans out. <laughs> well, I mean, in the last sort of three to four years, obviously the process has um, come to fruition, you could has, say. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I mean, obviously before that, it was not uh, solid reading for any Sixers fans out there. We apologize. Mm. Um but Chris Paul, I guess, is the other question. Like, what happens? Yes, with I was him? literally about to say we we should um, we shouldn't forget Chris Paul. He's now on a team where, arguably, he is the star. Uh, obviously, both George and Westbrook have gone. Um, Jeremy Grant's been traded for another draft pick. They've obviously opened up some some cap space with that. What happens now? Like he's he's basically in a ghost town essentially. Mm. Um, he's obviously still got guys like. Uh, Stephen Adams, who can obviously play quite well um, alongside a smaller point guard, uh, but what happens to this team? There's, there's, there's so they've got the empty slate, so to speak. They've got the, yeah. the the empty canvas. So, what do you think that they can do with this absolute bonanza of draft picks um, and a bit of money left over? It, that's a that's a really good question. Like, do they act fast and trade some of these picks now to get someone to go next to Chris Paul and Stephen Adams, or do they essentially, as you've alluded to, rebuild? That would mean getting rid of Chris Paul for some kind of crazy contract or combination of contracts that's maybe an expiring deal. You know, someone that's 
not going to weigh them down in years to come. But yeah, I, I suppose Chris Paul on his own, a young Chris Paul could lead a team like this into the playoffs. But unfortunately, the injuries we've seen from him yeah. over the past years and just, I guess, his gradual decline as, as father time takes its uh, toll on him. I think that they're really, with how stacked the West is, they have no real shot to do anything next season. So yeah, short of, of trading those picks in immediately for, for some talent, I don't know how it's going to happen. Yeah, clearly they've they've pulled the plug. Uh, yeah. And like you just said, um, viewing how dangerous the West is at, the, at this point in time, they've obviously thought, you know, it's not worth... You know, going half-assing mm. uh, this sort of ca- you know championship campaign, they've obviously thought, let's you know reboot, let's try and build a more competent team for the years to come. Um, and I guess it's you know that safety net that they have those trades in there and those picks in there to to really um, back them up if they do need to get rid of um, any extra talent. So say for example, Paul does leave or he does retire or Adams somehow on his crazy motherfucking huge contract just <laughs> decides to to piss off um hopefully he doesn't i think he's been a, a great fit at okc but mm. yeah look it's going to be an interesting start to the season um houston really gunning for that that western conference championship um and okc you have to wonder whether they're going to get their get themselves up off the mat after essentially having their heart and soul ripped out yeah. um, in the, in a matter of, you know, two weeks. It's crazy. Like this is, is. this is the probably trans- the most open um, NBA start, or start to an NBA season I've ever seen. Um, yeah, I've never seen so many signings and trades happen like this where it genuinely shook up the entire league. Yeah, it's incredible the amount of, superstar talent that's changed like we usually see some movements you might get like the equivalence of maybe a jimmy butler and a paul george changing but with the anthony davis boogie and Kawhi and westbrook it's just the list like they just keep coming and i just keep expecting everything to settle down but the dominoes keep falling and then someone sets up another side I don't, know, I don't know much about dominoes, but I assume they're pr- proper names for. Well, yeah, <laughs> I, I guess that makes perfect sense. There was yeah. there was something that I'd seen um, in the lead up to free agency. I think it was um, ESPN Sports Center was re- reporting it uh, that on July first, around two hundred players um, would have become free agents, either unrestricted or restricted, which is basically like akin to forty percent of the league. So almost half mm. of the league was either you know was a chance of moving teams yeah which is it's crazy gonna make, it's gonna make next off season seem so quiet and boring yeah and it's, it's, i was gonna say having you know worked at a sports store it also means that um a lot of stores with their current jerseys are going to be running at a loss because yeah. they're going to try and discount the hell out of those jerseys <laughs> um but yeah it's going to be an interesting couple of uh couple of months so we'll see what happens with that um, but while that's all happening, there is basketball being played um, over in the Summer League in Vegas. Um, we won't touch on it too much, but um, we'll probably get a little bit more in-depth with a lot of the, the rookie draft focus next week when Brendan returns. But mm. there was one particular moment that I'd seen, apart from Taco Fall, who is just this absolute seven foot two behemoth playing for the Celtics, who I'm just absolutely in love with he's just this incredible talent i hope he does 
amazing things and, and gets picked up by the Celtics. But um, high draft pick Jackson Hayes for the New Orleans Pelicans, absolutely murdering a guy. Um, you've seen this clip, haven't you? Yeah, I watched the dunk and block before uh, we started recording. That's, that, like, if you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, we might um, throw something up on Twitter. You, you, you follow us. Either it's Tilby or Jono himself or we are 8-Bit on Twitter. We'll throw something up and show you. But basically, he he's step ladders up him. That's the only yeah. way to describe it. This this guy, you know, comes into the lane, takes and, and gets into position, and he literally like knees him twice in the chest and it looks like he's yeah, it's he's, brutal. He's walking up him. And I've never seen someone just get demolished like that in quite some time. Like it would have been Last season when Boogie just drove over Kyle Kuzma and just gave him daggers. Mm-hmm. It was it was a good enough dunk that I will look overlook the charge call that they missed <laughs> because that dude that dude did a good job. Like he got uh, right out there outside the circle and he took that like a man and he just went down hard. One so. of the greatest dunks I've seen in probably the, the last five years and you have to go and buzz kill it like that, John. I'm sorry, like you got to give credit to the defense. <laughs> you, Anyone you, that gets dunked on is playing def- is playing good defense. You know, most wow. of the, most of the time. Wow. Okay. I'll um <laughs> I'll write that one down and uh, we'll use that as our measuring stick for any sort of nasty posterizers this season. Mm. So we'll uh, we'll yeah. we'll use the John Opeck sliding scale of charge to uh, yeah. to defense. So <laughs> I mean, if if you uh, if you do, if you never get dunked on, it means you're never playing defense. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna just gonna stick that on like a, a motivational quote with some yeah. some clouds and your photo you just it like applies to life superimposed um in this you know very peaceful <laughs> setting if you're not dunked on you're not playing defense yeah oh god that's what that's the thing like sean bradley is the classic guy like posterized dude from the 90s everyone talks about how he's always getting dunked on but he had he averaged like three blocks a game. Like he, he did. Was the, yeah. He was contesting every shot. <laughs> he's a he's a he's a big boy, and he's a, he was a target. He's getting into the lane, so hopefully my boy Taco won't have to uh, be subjected to the same fate. Mm. So we'll see what happens. Um, and obviously, for a whole bunch of players, um, they're enjoying their off season um, and just you know relaxing and and before they really get into a lot of the major uh, preseason training. One such mm. player I should point out is. Uh, Toronto Raptors, I should say, legend, cult hero, uh, Danny Green, who's, of course, now signed with the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, very interesting story that came out in the last couple of days. I didn't uh, didn't really expect anything like this, but uh, he says he was robbed. Um, yeah, this is a great story. <laughs> look, I, 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 should, I should say, you know, disclaimer for everyone, obviously being robbed is not in any way funny. Um, no. You know, we don't, we don't want to make a light of what could essentially be a very serious matter but if there's ever a time that you can laugh it's when a, a million dollar man like this <laughs> and his you, friends get robbed do you think do you at think an they, airbnb do you think they knew it was danny green i mean like ah uh, i don't know <laughs> just some old know. man like thinking there's a, like i i should point out and read the story like i'm reading yeah. it now um he spoke let's, su- let's summarize it yeah basically he, he spoke to uh inside the green room um on tuesday and i'll read the quote here basically just to to sort of explain um 
He says, so we go check out the Airbnb and we go upstairs and we're there for about 10 minutes checking out the map like, oh shit, Canada has a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> like, immediately, a great quote. Yeah. Like you've been living in Canada for, it would have been a good, you know. A year. Yeah, least. 12 months yeah. or so. You've lived in Toronto, another sort of cultural hub. You mm. know stuff happens in Canada. They're not, they're not just immediately like the, the stereotype, like, oh, sorry, eh? You know, they're not going to be like yeah. super polite all the time. Shit happens but, in but Canada. Also, they're also looking at a map. So are they looking at like the lakes and stuff? Or are they, are they looking at like, oh, there's a convention center. Oh, there's food, food court. Oh, just you know, go down to the local the local shopping center and get some poutine. Like it's, <laughs> it's not it's not like it's all you know sunshine and, and gumdrops. It's gonna be you know life in general. Like that. <laughs> shit's gonna happen. So, um, I'll, I'll continue reading. He says, we didn't know that there was all this stuff. <laughs> like, ah, <laughs> uh, it gets better and better. So we go back outside and we pretty much got robbed. Not robbed of everything, but two book bags gone. And one of the book bags had a lot of stuff in it. We ran the streets like savages looking for whoever took these book bags. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. And you know, like, I've heard, like, Jalen Rose has told a similar story where someone stole his jewelry, basically. And it was like hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of jewelry from like an NBA locker room and a similar kind of effort to track down who it was. So when he says when he says there's a lot of stuff in there, I don't know exactly what he's talking about, but for someone of uh, you know, I mentioned the the wealth of of this guy earlier, Danny Green. He's he's had a pretty good career. He's made a lot of money. For him to say that there's a lot of stuff in this bag, you can only imagine what could potentially be behind those zips that uh, these thieves had no idea what they were getting into. But the image of these guys self-described as savages running the streets <laughs> looking for whoever took I'm imagining, this stuff. I'm imagining just shirt off like a, a, a big torch, like um, flaming torch in his hand, just like <laughs> screaming, unhinged, like... Uh, and big boys too, if they're anything like Danny Green. Like, what is he, 6'7", six, 6'5"? He's, he's a tall lad, an imposing figure. Um <laughs> I uh, this story just gives me life, and I, I once great. again I, sh- I should point out we don't we don't think being robbed is anything funny. No, but it's not. I mean, even you said it yourself. Like Jalen Rose had jewelry stolen from his NBA locker room, and I can understand a bit more. You know, shenanigans and and hoodwinkery, so to speak, happens in an NBA locker room, but in an Airbnb, like. Yeah, they ain't getting a good review. No, exactly. One star. Danny Green's going to come on and, and, and be like, they they took my book bags. Like, <laughs> zero out of 10, we'll never sleep here again. Like, yeah. Oh, jeez. The off-season, just providing the wackiest shit for, yes. for people like us, and we lap it up. It's so great. Yeah. Oh, man. Um, but this is... The the the, the, the final, moment that you've been waiting. This for. is the moment I've been craving ever since you put it down in our little Google Doc that we've been sort of organising our episodes in, Mister John O'Peck. You have compiled, I should say, it's probably the mm-hmm. best way to say it. You've compiled this folder of what we can only describe <laughs> as muscle watch. We need a jingle for this segment, especially if we're going to bring it back. <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you if you have any sort of you know, musical prowess or want to provide us with a jingle, um, 
guys lifting weights, a bit of hustle, a bit of the clanking of, of weights yeah. in the gym, the gym or something. The, the barbells, yeah. Um, if you've got any ideas for muscle watch, um, please. Dumbbells, sorry. <laughs> it's, I said barbell. It's, I think, it's yeah. all the same thing. Yeah. Like For me, I'm like a stick, you know. Yeah. I, I, I lift one dumbbell like a week and that's that's me. But if you guys have any ideas for a jingle and we'd absolutely love to hear them, send it to us. Um, it's hello at 8bit.net. That's it. Yeah. So I should probably explain Muscle Watch. It all started. <laughs> you you put it down in our doc literally first week. I should point yeah. out sorry before I interrupt. Um, and it just said Muscle Watch, and I'm like, pardon, come again. <laughs> like I've never seen anything like this, uh, this yeah. word. And I was like, this is just gonna be big boys putting on weight, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the the backstory of this is I don't know if it was seven or eight years ago, but. Uh, Slam online editor Lang Whitaker is well known in NBA Twitter circles, and he does a. I think he still does a podcast called uh, M- Inside. Yeah, it's it's oh, for NBA. I, I thought you anyway, were gonna. I thought you were gonna say he literally does a podcast dedicated to Muscle Watch. No, it's not a Muscle Watch podcast. I would be listening to that for days. That is amazing. <laughs> it's called NBA Hang Time with uh, Seku Smith. Anyway, so. I remember listening to this years and years ago and he would talk about how every guy he was seeing photos of in the off season seemed to be putting on 15 pounds of muscle. And it was always the same expression, 15 pounds of muscle. And they turned it into somewhat of a segment called muscle watch. <laughs> it's the league standard 15 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So I've just been kind of compiling my list of, of muscle watch candidates because, you know, we've seen in the past few years, the difference it can make in the off season to, not only work on your game, but oh. work on your body. We've oh, seen yeah. Giannis kind of bulk up and the difference that that's made. <laughs> Just seeing, think... seeing before and afters of Giannis is like seeing, mm. you know, you, you literally hear the comparison going from a boy to a man. Yeah. Giannis, when he was drafted, is a boy. Yes, um, <laughs> Stick, like in my sort of sense, like he's probably my size. And I, I'm, what, 6'2", but I'm, you know, not very well built. You go up to Giannis now and you literally see him on the court veins popping out of his mm. his biceps and just literally bu- like bursting out of his shirt yeah. it's absurd it's, it's kind of a, a time-wanted tradition of of the sophomore players to, to bulk up even like joakim noah when he came to the league was pretty skinny and you mm. just see like it, it takes that year for people to adjust or at least a year to adjust to the kind of nba physique that it takes to, to bang down low with the, those big bodies as they like to say but it's uh, time now to go through some of the candidates for this year's Muscle Watch. And <laughs> Are we going to give this an award now? Uh, we'll wait till the end, maybe end of the off-season <laughs> to give it an award. We'll see who bulked up most. <laughs> but sometimes people are slimming down as well. You know, we've seen like Boogie Cousins slim down. Mm. We had Draymond Green halfway through the season and slimmed down 15 pounds or something. But uh, So first up, we got Mo Bamba, the center from the Orlando Magic, who's apparently added 20 pounds of bulk. Oh, so, so he's, he's gone past the uh, yeah. league regulation 15. Exactly. So I wonder if he'll, so, uh, he'll get a call from uh, Adam Silver telling him to uh, yeah, ease up, yeah. just tone it down a little. So the quote from his, him is, I'm roughly 240 pounds now, and honestly, it feels good to play at this weight because your bumps are more effective and you're getting to spots easier. So... That's uh, good on you, Mo. We'll yeah. see what you can do in, down I mean, in Orlando. That, that does make sense. Like, you know, even if you're a little guy, um, mm. es- especially when you're more of a, a larger player, um, even for guys like Bol Bol, who's just got drafted, yeah. you see him on the court and he looks like 
a seven foot, you know, spindly man, um, he's going to be one of those people who's really going to take to the gym. And, mm. you know, Mo here is, is really speaking the truth when you're being, you know, batted around in the low post, you're going to need a bit of, bit of bulk, a bit of muscle to really, um, stand your ground and, and fend them off. So, sure. I mean, 240 pounds is not, not a bad sort of weight for him. Um, no, that's, that's, that's looking big. So, yeah. Uh, another guy that you might be able to speak to, uh, your man, Marvin Bagley, who, according to James Ham at NBC Sports, said that Marvin told him he's gained about five pounds this off season and he's getting stronger. So not quite the fifteen, but there's still some time. Yeah, <laughs> still some time. He, he was he was already like he wasn't necessarily a small fellow. Yeah, he was wasn't. He? he wasn't lean. That's the thing. Like, I mean, mm. five five is uh, a pretty solid amount for any human being, I should say. Just imagine. I'm just imagining the the sort of carb intake for a lot mm. of these guys in, in the off season. Oh, man. Did you see uh, uh, what's his name Ennis Cantor's cheat day photo the other day? It was no, insane. I didn't. What was this? Oh. It was on Instagram, I think. But it was like a whole like you know how good kitchens have those floating islands in the middle that yeah. people use. Like the whole thing was just full of junk food, and oh, like it, it it almost looks like a joke. Like this is for me and all of my family or my friends, but apparently it was just for him. So uh, he's probably just re- repurposed like. Uh, Look, I know he's he's uh, he, he practices Ramadan. He's you know takes part in Ramadan and things like that. Yeah. But it's almost like he's catching just, up. <laughs> he's just taking a photo of like someone's Thanksgiving dinner and, and repackage it, being like, "Here's my off-season cheat day mm. surprise, guys!" Like, yeah. Oh, dear. So we mentioned Giannis before, and you might know Giannis has a few brothers, at least two or three, who've had a crack in the NBA. It's I think like, three. I'm struggling to keep ca- count of them. Yeah. Man. There was, the- I think there was Thanis or Theanis. Uh, Thanasis, yeah. Th- Thanasis, yes. Yeah. So he's out of the NBA. I think he's playing in Europe. But there's a couple others. One of them is Costas, and he's apparently put on 15 pounds of muscle. League regulation, summer. I like it. Yes, for Dallas. So keep your eye out for, for Costas. Yeah. To, uh, to make a similar jump. He, he might not grow the two inches that Giannis yeah, did. that's weird. But, it, uh, it's going to be funny in, in maybe, you know, three, four years' time when they're both playing up against each other um, mm. and see who's... They'll be comparing biceps and being like... Yeah. Eh, like, it's Hope, like yeah, hopefully getting he can someone make in a headlock or something. <laughs> hopefully he can make enough of a leap to get some minutes because he didn't do a whole lot in Dallas. But uh, next on our list, we have Chandler Hutchison, who has apparently put on 15 pounds of muscle as well. Uh, according to like Will Gottlieb, an NBA columnist, uh, we've got Avery Bradley, who's apparently shed that forty extra pounds he had with Ooh, the Clippers. Wow! So I mean, and Avery Bradley is not—you know—you you speak about guys like Mo Bamba and Taco mm. Fall and all those sort of guys who are big put, men. Big men who are putting on the pounds. Obviously, Bradley is not a big guy. You know, as a shooting guard, he's probably you know six five or six six or what or whatnot. But you don't. You've got to find that that balance, that zen. You don't want to be too tiny that you're getting pushed around, but you obviously don't want to be too heavy as he is. So, and I mean, forty pounds is yeah, it's a lot. That's a lot Jeez. of lot of muscle. So yeah, I mean, I'd say he's lost a lot of fat there. So this this might be a combination of uh, muscle watch and fat watch or something. But <laughs> are we going to need a jingle for that too? Yeah, I don't know. And uh, this is this is from a quote that he gave to a, 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 a writer, I think for the area but it's at Gita 3 if you want to check the sources but apparently off camera he said Boogie is in shape texting him a lot as well so <laughs> look out for Boogie oh, <laughs> when, Boogie when he's fit is an absolute monster yeah um, 
Boogie when he's out of shape is still still quite good. <laughs> still a scary proposition. So it's in a different way. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anti Zizic. I'm not exactly 100 percent sure on the pronunciation there, yeah, but I uh, believe like, that's close. Ante Zizic is pretty good. Ante, yeah. yeah, that sounds better. So he's a, a Cleveland uh, Cavaliers big man who played around 250 pounds last season. He says he's currently at 267. Oof. So that's a, a jump of uh, 17, just above the the standard 15 pounds. <laughs> but the the added thing for him is that he's at 9 percent body fat, where he apparently was just north of 10 percent last season. So yeah, I mean he. Was not a particularly, you know, tiny dude either. When you when you saw him play, even for the the Cavs when LeBron was around, and even last season, um, he's a he's a chunky man. But like, you wouldn't see, um, you wouldn't put it past him to to really bulk up and get more muscle. But I mean, good on him for really shedding the, the body fat as well and making mm. that pure lean muscle as well. Yeah, absolutely. So there's just a few more we'll go through here. This is a quick hitter. Celtics assistant coach Scott Morrison is is, is saying that Gordon Hayward is getting stronger, faster, and leaner this summer. That's, there's see, no, that's good to hear. Yeah, there's no number on that. I'd like to hear a 15 pounds of muscle for <laughs> Gordon Hayward, but uh, it's it's good to know that he's working on his body and I guess his physical conditioning after probably just trying to get into... Um, a healthy just match shape really shape yeah. yeah yeah especially after that injury he had last season like yeah. i mean the, the season before essentially yeah um yeah. you you want to i mean maybe the first sort of season is just sort of a um a steady sort of phase but now he's he's gotten through it and, and really um been able to pick it up you know mm. you expect him to go full guns blazing with it again yep absolutely and then there's a few others that we've seen photos of looking very swole and uh <laughs> buff which includes ben simmons uh shemi ojale from uh, the celtics and yep. buddy healed apparently also uh so no numbers on them no 15 pounds of muscle but keep an ear out for the 15 pounds of muscle and the hashtag muscle watch let us know if you hear anything yeah and uh we'll we'll, we'll Keep you posted as the season off season progresses. If, if you aren't following Ben Simmons on Twitter during his off season, it's essentially just uh, a thirst trap. Um, the man, the man is spending pretty much most of his time in the gym, and he's very, right. very bulky and very sweaty. So, um, just something to you know feast your eyes on, really. Yeah, but, um, I mean, he's single now, so he's probably trying to catch the eyes of the ladies. Well, too. yeah. Now he's now he's. Uh, ditched the uh, the Kendall Jenner curse he's probably trying to uh, get into more appropriate match mm. shape um, that's it and hopefully for his sake and for all of our sakes he's uh, able to shed the curse and, and help us um, at the World Cup which we'll obviously Definitely. be discussing in the near future but I guess although, uh, although I did just hear that he's going to sit out the World Cup I believe I read that oh, uh, no. due to injury concerns so we might have more on that <laughs> In, in future episodes but hopefully we don't have to you know half yeah. record this episode again to uh <laughs> to to put in an, an addendum that mm. he's you know been ruled out which would be an absolute shame considering the amount of um will he won't he for the season mm. but uh, i yeah. guess we could we could do hashtag muscle muscle watch and then also <laughs> hashtag uh 15 pounds yeah. as our as our uh a hashtag for the the segment but um there's, there's one last thing on Muscle Watch that I want to throw in there before we oh, wrap yeah. it up that's tangentially related. So Mark Strotman, who is a, another writer on the NBA, he tweeted out hashtag, I want to play 82 games watch 
is the new muscle watch. <laughs> Have you seen these headlines this week? No, I, I've I've been I've been living under a rock essentially right. for this stuff. So so we have two separate stories of players being interviewed and saying I want to play 82 games or my goal is to play 82 games, mm. which seems like a pretty normal thing like there's 82 games in a season Mm -hmm. you'd think that most people would want to play them all but we've had uh zach levine and boogie cousins both say i want to play 82 games Mm -hmm. so that's that's the new muscle watch it's i want to play 82 games i mean it it makes sense for both of them to say those sorts of things considering they've both recovered from potentially serious injuries over the last you know 12 to 24 months levine especially um he missed a full season didn't he uh I don't think it was a full season. It was a it was a lot of time, regardless. Lot, yeah. um, and especially for a guy who elevates the way he does and puts a lot yeah. of strain on his uh, lower body, um, I think eighty two games for him is is a, a a really big call. But I think he's mm. he's young enough to really um, get through something like that. I think he's he's probably out of the two that you've mentioned, uh, he's probably going to be the one most likely to uh to go a full season um boogie yeah. boogie's probably a bit more likely to at least get suspended for a game <laughs> or two here and there <laughs> yeah you they've been talking about obviously you know 82 games purely for being you know injury free but they, they haven't mentioned the fact that they're probably going to talk a bunch of shit to another player and, and get you know a whole bunch of technicals so they've got to mm-hmm. be real squeaky clean with their attitude um and especially boogie um on a lakers team he's known yeah, this is going to be a fun season. I'll say that much. Um, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of another episode of Hoop Dreams. This one was fun. I really enjoyed this one. Um, if you do have any questions or any thoughts or anything in general that you'd like to uh, share with us, you can always do so on our Twitters or on our email. You can always send any questions to hello at 8bit.net. Um, and you can always follow mm-hmm. us on Twitter. Um you can always follow 8bit at we are 8bit. Um, I am at it's Tilby and Jono yourself. You can find me on all socials at Jono himself. There we go. So hopefully um, we can get through another week without uh, some news, really big news, I should say, um, making its way around and we don't have to record another episode again um, in a, in a post editing <laughs> sense. It is fun, but uh, yeah. man, it, is, it is finding. It's, we're finding it very difficult to uh, find the time and, and get this sort of stuff out. But uh, yeah. once again, of course, before we do end, I should point out um, we're back on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. So, yeah, if you do like what you hear, make sure you give us a subscribe and a five stars and let us know what you think. Any and all feedback helps us out tremendously. We want to uh, yeah. we want to stay in front of JJ Reddick. So I'll say that much. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> but for me, Matthew Tilby, and from John O'Peck, it is goodbye talk to you soon keep the dream alive